Hello and welcome to Tea and Chat, the British English podcast with English learners tuning in from all around the world. Well, 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 it sure feels nice to be back. As I'm recording this, it's currently towards the end of March and I haven't uploaded an episode of Tea and Chat for a couple months now. As I'm sure you are all aware by now, I indeed um, was anticipating the birth of my baby girl in January. So that is obviously one of the big reasons why I've been gone for so long. I didn't actually expect it truthfully, I did try to plan to pre-record some episodes to upload during that time and I did in fact do that. Um, But if you follow me on my Instagram page at Tea and Chat Podcast, you'll know that uh, I recorded today's episode actually, which is an interview with one of my closest and best friends here in Canada, um, who is also an English teacher, an ESL teacher on italki actually. Um, I pre-recorded this episode but unfortunately it did get corrupted which has never happened to me before. So I ended up losing about the first 10 minutes of the audio and because of that it made it a little bit more difficult to edit and to upload so I only just recently managed to find the time to be able to do that. So I do apologize for the delay, we have so much to talk about, despite the fact that it's only been a few weeks, you know, a couple months, I mean, it feels like a long time, but, you know, in retrospect, it's not a super long time, Um, despite it only being a couple months, I feel like we have had so many different events going on, and definitely I'm going to make some episodes about those soon, obviously the biggest news story today is the coronavirus so I'm going to try and make an episode all about that soon and of course I want to um, kind of follow up on what I've been talking about here and tell you a bit about the birth of my baby girl and what it's like to be a new mum. So it's now been uh, two months since she was born and I've already returned to work, I'm already teaching and yeah I don't know Um, Since I already uploaded some episodes about uh, anticipating her birth and preparing for her to be born into this world, I thought it was only fair to kind of follow up that and let you guys know how I've been doing. So stay tuned for those episodes soon. But like I said, today I have an, an interview with a really good friend and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. But uh, like I said, we missed about 10 minutes of audio. So I just want to kind of recap what we missed, um, the 10 minutes of audio that was destroyed, unfortunately, and let you know kind of how we began our conversation before we get into that recording. So her name is Magdalene and she is from Southern Ontario. She lives in the same city as me, which is Windsor, Ontario. Um, She studied French at university, she spent a year in Taiwan and she learnt Chinese there and like I said she teaches ESL online uh, on italki and also at a local college and that's actually how we met, we met through italki, Um, I found her, sent her a message and so we've been friends for about a year and a half now which is really really awesome. 
We also discussed our city a little bit. I may have mentioned some things about where I live, but it's a small city. It's not well known. It's a border city though. So it's bordering Detroit, Michigan, which means we are divided by a river. There's a lot of different restaurants in our city from many different countries. So in terms of things to do, people might want to go out and eat together. Um, she also mentioned that she has a preference for the local bookstores and we'll find out why soon. Um, but other than that, perhaps it's not the most interesting city. The nearest biggest attraction is Niagara Falls, but that's over three hours away. So she says, you know, if you're visiting Canada, it's probably better that you want to visit the east of the west coast. On the east coast, there are rolling hills and fishing villages. And on the west coast, uh, there are mountains, which is what the Vancouver area is very well known for. Um, so yeah, I think she painted a very lovely picture of those areas in Canada. So I'm sorry that you had to miss that. But I was saying, you know, I do recommend Niagara Falls, but it's very touristy and I have a preference for the national parks and we do actually still have a lot of national parks in Ontario to visit and many that I still need to visit as well. Um, but in general, when you're traveling within Canada, it's very expensive. So I haven't been able to visit those places yet. Um, she told us a little bit about her hobbies. So she actually lives with her sister. So she considers herself to be a homebody because like me, she works from home. And so she just likes to uh, read a lot, which we will find out more about. And um, she's interested in watching different TV shows, playing board games, doing puzzles, learning languages, cooking, and she enjoys just kind of cleaning and keeping her space organized um, because she believes in minimalism which kind of helps to create a really clean and fresh mental space for you to be able to live and work in um, and also we're on the same trivia team so we usually go to trivia once per week which I have mentioned before and she said she likes it because she enjoys showing off her knowledge. Aside from that, she's interested in martial arts and she is a part of several book clubs. So I think that was it. Again, I'm very sorry that you had to miss out on those first 10 minutes of the interview, but I promise the rest of the interview is just as interesting, if not more interesting to listen to. So without further ado, here is the interview with my friend Magdalene. So you mentioned that you're really into minimalism. Can I ask, are you a fan of Marie Kondo? I am. Um, she's not, like, she is the introduction for most people to minimalism, but it was not for me. I actually can't remember how I first got into it. Um, but I do think she's great. And I think, you know, as much as we've kind of made a joke out of, like, does it spark joy or not, her catchphrase... <laughs> Uh, I think it is valid and I think it is a good way to judge whether or not you should have something and you know if it's if it's something that is making your life better or not. Are you always looking for like new techniques to try and be more minimalistic like looking up online different things that people are doing? Yeah to some extent um like I often am looking at ideas for how to decorate my home I guess um so that it still looks comfortable and cozy but without being stuffed with stuff 
Mm. Yeah. And then also like my kitchen and things like that, just how to buy and use fewer things, but still have a fully functioning kitchen. So looking around you now, you're in my house. (laughs) Um, Where would you place me on the scale of minimalism? I don't know. I would have to look through your closets a little bit more. And, you know, something that I like about minimalism is it's not about judging other people, right? Like, it's not about, like, oh, I have the fewest things. It's not, it's not a competition. It's all about what works for you and your lifestyle. I'm also not a hardcore minimalist. Like, I have clutter in my home because I have personally decided that those are the things I'd like to have in my home. I like artwork on my walls. A lot of minimalists prefer the, like, bare wall look. I don't. I like art, so I keep it, and a lot of minimalists will talk about owning fewer books, for example, which is something that I cannot do. And so I've decided, you know, what things are important for me to have in my life and in my home. So it's up to the individual person. I prefer living a somewhat minimalist lifestyle because it works for me, but it doesn't for everyone. So again, it's not a competition. So you shouldn't feel bad about things that you own or don't own. Yeah, when it comes to obviously like social media and stuff, obviously everyone does kind of have that weird competitive side. But um, in terms of books, what you're saying, like that's the one thing that I always vouch on. I think it's very, very controversial and that I don't agree with it at all. (laughs) And it seems like most people don't. Like anyone who is interested in minimalism, they usually don't agree with the book side of things unless maybe they don't read. But uh, the majority of people are quite attached right it's true and you know I do read a lot and I have had a lot of books go in and out of my home that I do let go of books I think fairly easily more easily than a lot of people would expect if they know my reading habits um so if I buy a book and I end up you know just not super connecting with it or not thinking that I will read it again then I will let it go pretty easily, you know, Mm. give it away to a friend or to someone or just donate it or something like that. So I do give away a lot of books or get rid of a lot of books. I don't keep every single one. It's only the ones that really mean a lot to me that I keep on my shelves. It just happens to be a lot. Mm, Let's get into those reading habits, (laughs) Magdalene. Because I think if you did hold on to every book that you read, you definitely would have a very cluttered house. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about your reading habits. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I've mentioned reading several times because that is my number one hobby and it always has been. So this is, reading has never been something that I've had to like try to push myself to do. Like my parents definitely never had to encourage me to read. It was like as soon as I was able to, I loved it. And mm. it was more my parents trying to make me stop reading so that I would get out of my room and like get some exercise instead. Like I've just always loved it. And, um, you know, it's hard to put into words why I love it. It's just something that I've always done. And it's Mm. such a huge part of my life. So I really do read a lot. And especially since I've started listening to audiobooks, it has just increased the amount of time I can spend reading. 
so yes, the number of books I read is really quite high <laughs> for most people, but it doesn't, you know, it feels very natural to me because that's how I've always lived my life. Yeah. Well, it's quite interesting when you talk about like how, how you start to read. I mean, you know, as kids, we're often encouraged either by our parents or at school or both. Um, so do you think it was just like, because you kind of had to do it at school and then you found out, okay, this is fun. And then like, it just went from there and you have no idea where it started basically. <laughs> yeah. I just have no idea. Like I just remember always reading my, you know, my mom did read me stories, I think before I could read, but I remember being quite young, maybe you know, seven or eight and not wanting to my mom to read to me anymore mm. because I could read silently faster. And I would get kind of annoyed with how slow she was. So I was, you know, I was totally happy to be reading by myself. And that was you know, at a young age. That's what I chose to do. And I was constantly asking my school librarians to let me borrow more books than, you know, was supposed to be the limit. And our school had a lot of different programs to try to encourage us to read. And I did not need those, you know, <laughs> like I was already reading above and beyond what they wanted us to read. Yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. And and I get that. I mean, I loved reading as a kid, too. Again, probably in comparison, I didn't read as much, too, but I definitely loved it and was considered to be a bookworm as a child. But I find a lot of people like as they grow up, once they leave school, um, life just kind of gets in the way and then their reading habits slow down or their reading patterns slow down and their reading habits usually tell off and it's quite sad actually but um, that's kind of why I guess as adults we kind of try to force ourselves a bit more to read and I, I know it's it's the case for a lot of people always just kind of trying really hard to fit in time to read a book and uh, even even no matter how much they want to it's they might be able to read a couple pages a week and that's that's the best that they can do because they feel like they don't have the time. What would you say to those people? You know, it's tough because I have a hard time understanding those people. Okay. <laughs> um, again, I think reading has just been a part of my life for my whole life that it's hard for me to imagine like trying to fit it in yeah. because it's like, do we try to fit in brushing our teeth or getting changed or, you know, eating lunch? Not really. It's just a part of your life. And so it just feels so natural to me to have it be a part of my day mm -hmm. you know, between lessons and before I go to bed and in the evenings, if I have a free evening, I can, I know that I'm going to be reading yeah. like that's, it's kind of the first thing I think of. I don't think of like, oh, I should, I was going to say I should exercise, um, which is something I should do. Um, but that's not my first thought, like, oh, TV, exercise, or going out, or, you know, attending a party. That's not really my thing. My first thing, my first thought is, oh, I have a free evening. I don't have much up. Like, I can't wait to finish my book. Um, so that's just always been the case. I think like for those people who want to read more, uh, getting into audiobooks I think is really great because you can listen to them while you are cleaning or cooking or driving to work. Um, and another thing is that I go to the library very often. I, I have one within walking distance of my home so whenever I want to take a walk, see I do exercise sometimes, <laughs> 
when I need to take a walk, it's usually to the library because it's about 15 minutes away, so that's the you know, perfect timing. I go, I browse, I drop off books, I pick up new ones. So I constantly have this pile of books in my home that I'm excited to read, and they you know, are right in front of me, and so it's a constant reminder. And so I'm always excited to read, and when I put when I finish one, you know, by the next day, I see another one that I'm super excited to read and I pick the next one up. So just, I guess, having that reminder and knowing what your tastes are and what kind of things you like to read and what kinds of things will grab you, you know, that'll really help for you to make it consistent habit. If that's what you want it to be. I love that. That's such a great explanation. And yeah, as you finish there talking about habits and things, I think it's all related to you know, time management and what you choose to do with your time. So everyone always has time to do everything. Essentially, it's just what you prioritize. So although you're not consciously prioritizing that, it's it's something that, you know, it just, yeah, it comes naturally to you. And, and it's it's great. I mean, a lot of people just kind of put it on the back burner and put it at the bottom of their list. So I guess that's where the problem really lies right and so reading has always been on the front part the front burner for me and so like I don't forget to read because it's always like at the forefront of my thoughts like I can't wait to read yeah yeah Yeah. I love that so I don't want to put you on the spot here but I'm going to anyway would you please give us the exact number of how many books you read last year so in 2019 I read 240 And that's amazing. (laughs) I think I might have already mentioned in a previous episode, like, oh my gosh, I have this friend and she read so many (laughs) books. And yeah, like I said, you're going to meet her soon. And here she is. Um, And when I heard that number, I was dumbfounded and I had to share it with a couple of people because I just thought it was so impressive and so amazing. And um, obviously you did split that right between audiobooks and physical books. Right. it's probably close to 50 50 split yeah okay which even like even if you just read 100 books that's still like a crazy amount so the fact that again it's 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 just mind-blowing and um I like that you're quite passionate about audiobooks because personally I'm not (laughs) so it's it's like fascinating almost to me to see like why someone would be because like for me it's kind of like the whole debate about like almost having a Kindle, like when the Kindle first came out and I was like, oh, don't even put that thing near me. I want like my physical mm-hmm. book. And then like audiobooks, obviously they've been around for much longer, but I feel like they've only just become popular in recent years. Right. You know, maybe because like podcasts have become popular and I don't know what the reason exactly because we have Audible and things like that that have encouraged people. But I think I'd still find it, like a real struggle to listen to it and be able to focus on it because as I mentioned personally when I read books I usually read like I might read a page and end up spending 10 minutes just sat there like staring into space thinking about the page I read that obviously that I that's not really something you could do with audiobooks I'm sure you can pause it but it's just not like the same right it is definitely different um I think that having said I read an audiobook or listened to an audiobook, like that definitely counts as a book. Some people will say, like, oh, that's not real reading. No, it is. You know, it's the same process in your head. Um, you're still getting all the benefits. Uh, it's just you have your hands free, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not moving your eyes <laughs> across yeah. a page. 
Um, there, of course, there are some differences. Uh, it's true, you know, you don't, it's not quite so easy to like sit and pause or rewind, you know, like when you want to flip back to remind yourself of something. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, it is a little different. Um, so the types of books that I will listen to on audiobook are slightly different from the books that I will read mm. in print. Like some I will choose to read in the different formats depending on the genre and things like that. Yeah, I was going to say, is that by genre? Like what, yeah. what genres do you usually lean towards anyway? Uh, so for 2019, definitely the top genre was just general contemporary fiction. Um, I also listen to a lot of fantasy, sci-fi, and then historical is up there as well. And then as for nonfiction, I mean, about 10%, I think, of the books I read were nonfiction. And within nonfiction, a lot of them were memoirs. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I tend to go with kind of plot-driven books. When I'm listening to audio, it does help me to focus because I totally agree. If it's kind of a slow-moving book or something that's really dense, that's hard to listen to on audiobook because you need to concentrate. So something that is maybe YA or meant for middle grade readers um, is not quite so heavy and dense. So I will read, I will listen to those on audiobook, whereas something that I really want to be able to sit down with and, you know, so I'm an underliner, and so when there's a book that I think there will be a lot of underlining involved, if it's my own book, of course, not a library book, um, then I will choose print for those. That's definitely not something we've discussed, because <laughs> writing in books, um, it can be seen as very taboo, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. my voice is going so high-pitched, because I'm like, mm. <laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable just thinking about it and um I I think I, I I've been trying to come to terms with it recently in terms of like non-fiction books like things I'm trying to like really absorb and take advice from maybe mm -hmm. but even then I don't do it I've started using those sticky things yep, to mark yeah, things I think that's a good technique as well in the past I didn't underline um but I've started to do it quite a bit when it's my own books. And I think a big reason is because I want to have a higher level of interaction with my books. When you read at the volume that I do, it can often feel like, you know, you start a book and then you finish it and then it's gone from your head forever. But when it's a book that I want to really stick with me and I want to kind of ponder a little bit more I find that underlining and marking passages that I think are especially well written or meaningful or important or just like a really well written phrase or paragraph um to underline it or you know put a star next to it, it really helps me to pay attention more to what I'm reading and so that when I'm done the book I can kind of look back and notice all the things that stuck out to me and see what was really important in the book. So I, I've just found that it's helped me to uh, retain a lot more from what I read. Yeah. Yeah, I but love that. I, I do understand that for a lot of people it's painful, but um, I'm not one of those who likes to keep my books per perfect looking. First of all, the vast majority of my books I bought secondhand. So they're already a little bit 
worn and scuffed. And so I don't feel bad about adding my own touch to it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I just feel like it makes it my book rather than, you know, a decoration on my on my shelves. And I like being able to see, you know, because I do reread the books that I do end up keeping. And so being able to see what past me thought about certain lines and, you know, what past me thought was interesting, it kind of yeah, adds another layer to what I'm reading. Mm, I think the two key words which you mentioned there um, are interaction and also the ability to be able to retain that information and I like I said I can definitely see that now that I've started to do that a bit more because I mean you asked me what books I read last year and I couldn't name one even though I did read a couple definitely it was closer to five than (laughs) 200 but like I couldn't tell you one book that I read and then if you probably asked me what the book was about I'd probably be able to only give you a very surface level explanation because once you read a book you do quite quickly kind of forget what you learned from there yeah, and like my family does often tease me about it that like I that I can't remember anything that I've read, mm-hmm. um, which again like if if I only read five or ten books a year probably I'd be able to remember you know characters and details but when you read so many it's not it's not possible to keep all those things in my head at once so they tease me about that. Um, but I do find that underlining and rereading and revisiting books will really help me retain these kind of important bits that I would like to remember. Some books are forgettable and that's okay. Um, but the important ones, the ones that make an impact on me, I want, I want to be able to, you know, keep those characters and those themes with me. Yeah. And which ones made an impact on you then in 2019? Hmm. A book that I really loved was called Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. It's a book in translation. And it's interesting because it's mostly about hockey, and I'm not a sports person, and I never thought that I would love a book that's mostly about hockey. But it's really about how this sport is important to a small town that is struggling. And it's really about the town in general that does revolve around hockey, their hockey team. But um, it includes a lot about the relationships between, you know, uh, hockey players and their coaches and then parents and their children. And there's also um, sexual assault story in it and how the rest of the town reacts to that because it was done by a hockey player. And I just found the writing was super gorgeous and the relationships were uh, really really strong and really meaningful and just a lot of the scenes were really poignant so that's a book that I really loved um let me think it sounds quite unique I haven't hmm I don't know if I've ever read any books in translation aside from the North Korea one maybe (laughs) that might have been translated but yeah and actually that's something that I try to do quite a bit is it I'm always trying to increase the amount of books that I translation or at least written by people from different countries or people of color um, because I have only lived one story which is my own and so I want to open up my world to other people's stories and I want to be able to hear them so yeah that makes a lot of sense on that note speaking about reading books in translation do you recommend learners of English to get stuck into a book in English straight away and if so Where do you suggest that they start? 
When I have students who say that they want to read books and read them in English, which is not their first language, then my first piece of advice is that they need to read something that they that they're interested in and that they would want to read in their native language as well. So if you're from Spain and you are not interested in current events or politics or business or anything like that, trying to read a book in, in English on one of those topics is not going to work for you because you're not going to stick with it. So if you like mysteries, read a mystery in English. You know, if you like romance, read a romance in English. So the, if, if it's something that you are really interested in or really enjoy, the odds of you sticking with it and actually completing the book are a lot higher if it's something that you enjoy and want to read. My second piece of advice is if you want to read fiction, read something that is written for children or middle grade readers or young adults because those tend to be simpler, the language is simpler, the themes are a little simpler as well, and so it won't be as much of a struggle. And it's often a little bit more plot heavy, not so philosophical, so it'll be easier to get through as well. And I love children's books. I love middle grade books, and just because they're originally written for kids doesn't mean you won't get anything out of it. So yeah, I usually have a few recommendations that I give to students uh, who are hoping to read some fiction books of books that are written for kids but are still enjoyable for adult readers as well. Hmm. <laughs> I won't get you to list them, it's okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I always say something along the same lines as well. It's mostly when I, I hear that students are like, oh, yeah, I tried to read Game of Thrones. And I'm like, oh, mm, why oh, did no. you do that to yourself? <laughs> yeah, like just just backtrack a second. I know it's something that you would probably enjoy in terms of the story. You know that you right. enjoy it, but it's like a bit, it's too much. So. That's a good point. Um, that is another thing that I often say is try to choose a contemporary novel uh, fantasy, sci-fi, that kind of stuff, or historical, are really hard because there's a lot of made-up words, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you have places that don't exist and or, you know, types of people that don't exist. And so there's all these new words that you have to remember that are not actually real words that, <laughs> you know, will help you with your English skills. And it just makes it a lot harder and more complicated. So... I also recommend contemporary novels and that also helps because it's more likely that they will be using vocabulary that you will use in your daily life. You know, if you are really into mysteries or like procedurals or police stories, that's fine, like go for it, but just know that a lot of the vocabulary you will be learning are related to, you know, crime and police stations and things like that and might not necessarily be useful for your everyday English speaking skills, but, um, you know, novels that have a more like a common everyday setting will probably be a little bit more helpful. But I mean, if you're super into <laughs> police mystery crime novels, go for it. Just be aware that that is going to happen. Well, while I've got you here, Magdalene, and before I let you go, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky and ask for your opinion as an English teacher about what you think of podcasts 
for learning English? I think they're pretty great. I actually use them myself for my for my own language learning. Um, of course, your English level will change what kind of podcasts you can listen to. You know, there are podcasts for English learners that will directly teach grammar and vocabulary and things like that. Um, but if you are a more advanced learner, I think they're also really great. Again, make sure it's a topic that you're actually interested in. <laughs> um, and I think that can really help your listening podcasts. You can also listen to while you're doing something else. So especially traveling, things like that. It's really helpful because you can kill two birds with one stone. So I think podcasts are great. I love podcasts. So yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'd love for your opinion on that. I will let you go now, but thank you so much. I think you're one of the best guests we've had over here. Um, super, super eloquent and some great advice and opinions that you've shared with our audience today. So thank you so much for coming over on here. <laughs> and until next time. <laughs> Goodbye.